0: The uh, first Sunday of the month, which means it's time to hear from you. Uh, Today we're going to hear from Will and Elaine Savell. so y'all can go ahead and come on up. Will and Elaine uh, have three kids, Emma, Jack, and Allie. You may not know that Will worked on ministry staff here for 10 years, about 10 years. Uh, You may also not know that they are related to a large group of Grace folks. Craig and Missy, Daniel are right there. Uh, Craig is Elaine's brother. Jerry and Diane, Daniel. Craig and Elaine's parents. Dennis and Fran, Craig. Elaine's aunt and uncle. Am I missing anybody? Um, I
1: think that's it.
0: Okay. Uh, there's a lot of that around Grace and Anne, by the way. Who do you think has the largest family network? It, just in case you don't know if you know some of these people I wrote that down because I thought that was true uh, Bill Tilson, Mark and Rosemary Tilson Richard and Carol Loom, Chris and Elizabeth Myatt Brad and Rachel McNeil, Will and Lindsey Tilson Kenzie Tilson who just left Anna Tilson, Bo and Lydia Hart Am I missing somebody? It's a lot of people They really used
2: to be the Gail Strongs but they're not here anymore uh, Gail Myatt
0: Gail Myatt Yep um all right let's jump right in will we're going to start with you why don't you tell us how you became a christian uh and kind of personal spiritual growth up
2: through i guess college you grew up um in a home probably a lot like some of y'all's just privileged uh private school kid um good home good parents christian parents um got saved at a really early age um in a Baptist church and where I'm probably a little different is I grew up a mutt spiritually. Um, got saved in a a real conservative Baptist church. Uh, then my parents went charismatic, like TBN style, charismatic, uh, went to spirit church all all my life, uh, in Jackson. Uh, but they didn't have a youth group. So I went to an EPC Presbyterian youth group, real conservative youth group on the reservoir and then went off to college. Um, and during that EPC youth group uh, that's where I was at youth camp and although I was saved when I was probably eight years old it was more of that coming to to know what that salvation looked like and that profession really meant over in high school years um, and then uh, went to a Southern Baptist College Southern Baptist College Mississippi College with Clark um, and that's so that's where he met me it was a girl yeah. in that's right that's right it was, it was. go
1: Chalk calls.
2: it's <laughs> the Chalks <laughs> And so, yeah, that was basically my uh, time as a young man. A mutt. That's a good way to put it. Um, Elaine, how about you?
1: Um, Grew up in a Christian home. Um, Went to Curvy Woods Baptist Church down the street. Uh, My parents joined when I was three years old and stayed there all my life. Um, My childhood was very um, secure, very consistent. Um, I had Christian parents that definitely lived out the the gospel in their life. Um, I saw... I saw them apply it to everything in their lives. Um, Their marriage was a good Christian marriage. I saw them work together as a team um, in all aspects of their marriage. I saw them respect each other. I saw them um, argue. um, But I definitely saw their different personalities, how they approached Christianity, too, which was important to me. Um, So we were always at church. I knew that was important um, to my parents. We were always there Sunday morning. The good Christians went on Sunday nights, um, Wednesday night. But, but the great Christians. The great Christians went Wednesday night. He he said that I think one time. Yeah, yeah, we heard that. The real Christians go on Wednesday nights. Uh, so yeah, we we did all that, all youth group stuff, revivals, everything. We were there, um, parents and leadership of the church too. So I became a believer probably around the age of ten. I think I always knew, always knew the gospel. I always knew understood Christianity on a on a basic level. And then in high school, um, I feel like our, our youth minister was very focused on um, rules. And um, rules equaled righteousness. And so that seemed easy to me. That seemed logical. And so following rules, I just thought that that was kind of what the Christian life meant. And that's what being a good Christian was. So I um, don't think I understood grace very much. I, I put um, a lot of emphasis on works in my life. Um, I did go to public school. I went to Farmington, Houston Middle, Houston High. Um, I wanted to pick a college where maybe there were more Christians than I had been around. Um, and so applied to Mississippi College, knew some people there, um, scholarship there. So I went to Mississippi College. Um, I think it was the first time, though, in my life where nobody cared if I went to church on Sunday. Nobody cared if I went Wednesday night or Bible studies or anything. And um, I remember really trying to figure, what, figure out what that meant. And I think for the first time, I realized it was just me and God. And, um, and that was enough. And so it took a while for that to kind of process in my mind and understand what that meant. Hmm. But, um, yeah.
0: I loved hearing you talk about your parents. And I've heard Craig talk the same. And, it, you know, they both have said, you know, in many ways, uh, it was very simple. Their faith, Not in a bad way, just very simple. Um, not overly theological, but uh, very real and alive and practical and functional in the home. And I think, hey, uh, that's something worth striving for. And well, obviously, I thought of that
1: when we were talking about Randy's email that he sent out last Sunday talking about parenting in the home. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I don't remember a lot of that... Has freed me up, I guess, in parenting my kids. With um, I, I don't remember us doing family devotionals or <laughs> all these kind of routine things. I just remember them being very open and, and applying um, Christianity to all aspects of their life, and how that, to me, like they, they loved the gospel, they loved the Lord, they knew that this was truth and the way to lead their family, and that's what I remember, and that's mm-hmm. what meant the most to me, and.
0: That's cool. I love hearing that. So y'all went to MC Mississippi College outside of Jackson. Uh, that's where y'all met, dated, <coughs> married, yep. and started life together. So take us through those years. Kind of how you met, how your relationship developed.
2: It's a pretty lame story. It was uh, <laughs> 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 hey, we we we, we met in the cafeteria eating you know Lucky Charms or yeah. grilled cheese or patty whatever melts. patty melts I mean, uh, yeah. and. You know, I think our first date it was a, a formal, and it was December fifth, ninety-seven, freshman year. We started dating and never stopped, and um, got married our senior year. Makes me of look college. bad, man. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: exact
2: date. <Perfect>. Exact date. <laughs> <laughs> He's way better yeah. <laughs> But yeah, going into our senior year, uh, August fifth, two thousand, um, got married and lived in <laughs> married student housing. So now
0: Elaine wanted to break up
2: at one point. She did. It was for a uh, good reason, reasons. not an issue. No, it wasn't a good reason. <laughs> all right. All right, so, so the reason was I was going off to camp where I couldn't use the telephone at all. Uh, and she was staying for here in summer. Memphis. For the summer. She was staying here in Memphis. And she just wanted to, like, date guys. And I went... To make
1: sure
2: you <coughs> were the one, you know. And he said that's a dumb reason. So I said no. <laughs> but I, and, I mean, she was welcome to, but...
1: Yeah, he said, well, I mean... No. He so said you can, but like we won't get back together. So I mean, if you want to break up that's fine. But like I'm not gonna play games. So like decide what do you want to do? Do you wanna to stay together or break up? And I'll so
0: basically it. Will's been the exact same for a long <laughs> <Yes>.
1: time. <laughs> uh, so, never
2: mind. so we didn't
0: break
2: up. It
1: was and we it never was a, broke up.
2: That's awesome. It was terrible. We
0: were going strong and everything. Yeah. <laughs> so how old were y'all when you got married?
2: 22. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I thought about this um, culturally a couple things are happening obviously get married later but also um, I think about just where things are in terms of sexual sin and how much younger children are exposed to things that uh, many of us were not exposed to until much later and so that is kind of a perfect storm for disaster and we talked about the protection uh that God has protected them and being married young, and certainly that's not for everyone. That's not the way it works out for everyone. I was just thinking for those that have kids, we need to be careful not to set rules um, that, you know, you got to do this, 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 and this before you're ready for that. I mean, if they display a spiritual maturity at a young age, um, and a maturity, you know, like go to work and can do some things and put it together i just think there's a lot of growth to be had as a young couple um and i I think that's more and more foreign and i don't want us to throw that away because i don't think it's uh, i look around and there are some that were married younger than that like the braithwaite so uh but anyway it's that's cool um will you've been in vocational ministry for the entirety of your marriage except for i guess that brief period in college How did that come about? How did you know that's what you wanted to do?
2: Yeah, I went, it was one of those things, like, some people here in Memphis, I know they, from the time they're little, they want to be a FedEx pilot, and so they go for that. Um, I had an FBI family um, background, and that's what I wanted to be, and so ever since junior high, that's what I was pursuing all the way through college. uh, My aunt was a recruiter. She was kind of taking me through the the processes of what to major in and, and everything. Um, so that's what I wanted to do, and then felt a vocational call to, to ministry. Um, Y'all were engaged at that time? Uh, y- yes, I believe we were. and then, um, But I knew that wasn't really fair to her, and, and so just to spring something. Uh, so I took her to Krispy Kreme. And, uh, you can talk about anything at Krispy Kreme. Uh, I took her to Krispy Kreme, got her sugared up, and um, and told her about... Sensing a call to ministry. It's, it's sensing to say it's time to get out now. I mean, that's what you're wanting to do. and But this is sort of a direction I feel so strongly about.
0: what was that breakfast like?
2: It was like 11 was o'clock at night. night. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> you can eat it any time, too.
1: Um. I knew he'd been struggling with some stuff. He, t- I remember you like went and ran around your dorm or something. Like you're just like really.
2: Ran around. I don't know. Dorm. I remember you talking about
1: like running laps around your dorm, like just trying to clear your head or whatever. You really haven't changed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, went to Krispy Kreme. He was really nervous, and I remember being unsure what that was about, and um, yeah. just kind of yeah, breaking up. But. Um, and he just kind of he told me about his call to ministry he didn't know what that looked like but it was kind of something he couldn't run from anymore and um, he knew this is what he needed to do with his life but that was unfair to me and so if, without telling me um, before we got married so he kind of said like if you want out now is the time once again it hasn't changed much yeah. <laughs> and um, I I started crying and I knew I knew for a while that he would be called into ministry um, and I remember in High school, um, knowing that I would marry a minister or we would be in ministry together,
0: wasn't there like a um, journal entry somewhere where you yeah,
1: yeah, I did. I wrote that down, of course, at the Baptist Church, you go down front for those kind of things too, <laughs> and I did I went down front to go into Christian ministry, and I remember telling the pastor like I feel like I'm going to marry a pastor, youth minister, I don't know something huh. but um I feel like my life is going to be in ministry, and um so I knew that. I never told him that um. So I started crying, and I said, yeah, I'm, I knew this was coming. I'm glad it's now. You know, we can kind of start this journey together um, as a young married couple. And his youth minister his whole life, when Will told him to, he was like, oh, yeah, I knew that as well.
0: you going to save yourself some laps.
1: <laughs> <I know.
2: laughs> uh, so you
0: all moved to Memphis right after college, seminary at Mid-America, uh, internship at Kirby Woods, which is where you grew up. Tell us about that time.
2: Yeah, she, she had a job waiting for her with Arthur Anderson at that time um, before it shut down. And um, shut it down. and I got offered kind of a, a good internship over at Kirby Woods, and people still think I'm from Kirby Woods, but I was only there six months, uh, which w- it seemed a lot longer, I think. But yeah, um, it was a junior high intern there, um, and... Tell us a little bit about that, because there's some cool things like, yeah. you didn't,
0: they didn't have a budget. Yeah, and- like we went in under,
2: under, um, under the senior high minister who was over everything. Um, but the junior high intern traditionally had just kind of come in on Wednesday night and preached a lesson mm-hmm. from seminary class. And we really wanted to do the, the, the ministry and build it. And so we were, and that's where I met Landon. The senior high minister gave me Landon as the music guy. And Landon not only did music, but... I mean tons of the creative stuff but it was on a zero budget. Yeah. And so imagine landing Landon being forced to do everything just through his mind. And I mean it was crazy. He was I 18, mean maybe. 18 years yeah. old. I mean yeah. he's he's got I don't know, all the stuff he he did but um
1: we had trash on the walls like decorations and yeah, told the kids it was to just bring in old coke cans and we made signs out of them. I mean it was it was fun.
2: It was, fun. was, it was, fun. A, it was yeah. a really good time. It's it right. real grassroots and but it was 6 months of that. Until, uh,
0: so you were making like twelve thousand a year. Oh yeah, that's right. And yeah.
2: I, I, that's, that was my pay. Uh, it was twelve grand a year. Yeah. Did you ever steal anything, by the way,
0: during this time period? <laughs> he, he's getting to that. <laughs>
2: what did you steal? <laughs> I was working at Chick Fil A and down in Jackson, and I, I knew my pay was gonna be twelve grand. So, there, there were these, like, free chicken sandwich coupons that like were...
1: Stacked. So, we
2: had a stack of them. But that's what we lived on. Stole. We did like, go
1: confess to the owner later, and he still wears us out about that today. We're like, listen, you fed us for a while. We were
2: hungry. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah, we were No, I'm serious. Crazy. We were skipping yeah. meals, um, uh, eating a meal a day, probably. So, we were really hungry. Went through a really bad time of being sick. Yeah. Um, it's just- they thought I had... Um, Meningitis. meningitis. I was about to say hepatitis, but men- <laughs> yeah. meningitis. Um, you had jaundice. I had jaundice. Yeah, I had jaundice. Uh, Elaine was carrying me to the hospital. Both cars huh. broke down. My grandfather died. Nine eleven just occurred. I mean, everything was wow. just went upside down uh, toward that last little bit. Yeah. And you want me to go into Houston?
0: Well, yeah, I was going to say, so you're there six months because you're hungry, and it's like
2: anything else would be good at this point, but you, you're... And, and that ministry part was going well. We love the kids, and
1: and we were trying to prove that a full-time position was needed. So we were working like 60 hours a week.
2: And, and seminary.
1: Yeah, trying to like full-time. go to lunches with kids. It's trying to just develop a youth ministry, not just the Wednesday night program. So we're hoping that the pastor would see all these hours are needed and, oh, you know, we'll make it a full-time position. That
0: was the hope. So the story goes that Will had to wear a tie to work, and he goes to Houston Middle to meet some students, and he's there to, you know, wearing a tie and sees Karen Sherwood, Dale Lively, who are on staff here, and they're like, dude, do you wear a tie to work? And uh, they said, do you want a job where, like, you don't have to wear a tie? like, is it full Full time
2: pay, you know, and uh, it kind of goes from there. Yeah, I said, Is it full time? And they said, Yeah, it'll be full time. So I said, Sure. I said they said the church is right down the road. Never heard of Grace of Anne before. Um this is really bad. I took the job never visiting a church, the church yeah uh, having never heard, uh, never heard a sermon anything we were hungry though but anyways <laughs> before before yeah, that if
1: it's terrible we'll just leave we'll go somewhere else but like it was full at time.
2: least for a month yeah, yeah. I mean. before Nourged. that it was just you know i met randy ray and karen and angela carmichael and all them and then they introduced me to brent brent set up an interview with the like six elders mm-hmm. at bosco's came in there about 20 pounds lighter than i am now and um I, was, I mean, literally, really sick. That's when you're in bad shape. I was in bad shape and I had my tie on and um, went and sat, sat in front of them. They took me over to American Cafe to meet Jimmy. Jimmy wanted to meet Elaine, so we came back over to Grace Savannah brought Elaine in. And then I was in North Cordova for some reason, and Brent calls and he says, "I will. We are willing to offer you $24,000 a year <laughs> to be the junior high minister. Like seriously, <laughs> <laughs> I it, I just, that's, that's double. Yeah, I just, I I'm even, so sorry. It's so little, but nine eleven
1: just happened. Nine eleven just like, well, occurred, and you know great.
2: we'll we'll be evaluating all that, you know, periodically and stuff. But, and I was like, yeah, we never visited Grace, never done anything, but we said sure we'll be there, you know, in a couple of weeks, and it's <laughs> great. Uh, so y'all
0: came to Grace to start or to lead the junior high ministry. It had already been started.
2: Karen, yeah, Karen Sherwood had been keeping it up since the, the former youth minister. Gotcha. He was let go like a year before and Karen had done it herself and gotcha. with all the volunteers for a year.
0: Gotcha. So talk a little bit about your, both your spiritual growth and coming to Grace of
2: Ann. Gosh, that's where I feel like it happened for me. Really? I don't know about Elaine, but you know, for me it was, you know, December of that first year. I mean, right when I get on staff that first month, I'm sitting there not knowing what to do. I don't know anybody. Um, uh, grace who at van doesn't have the history of like taking their new staff and just saying let me teach you how to do things or, you know it's kind of like hey fig- figure it out uh, so I'm sitting there on my, on my desk at my desk not knowing what to do and Jimmy Young comes down to the office and you can just hear him Billowing throughout the hall, you know, just uh, yeah. scary. It's scary, and it's, yeah. he, he's singing to people, and there's no business like church business, and and you he, he's just doing all sorts of stuff. It's coming for you, and scary. you're like, what's he doing? I'm straightening up my desk, and he he uh, comes up, in my office, up. doesn't say anything, he drops a book on my desk. Um, called "The God You Can Know" by Dan DeHaan, and. If I read it now, or any of you re- read it, it might be the simplest book you've ever read, but it was the first time that I was ever introduced to um, any sort of thought about a, a larger God than myself, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I read this book, and I was blown away. And then all of a sudden, the staff members start just dropping books on my desk.
0: Yeah.
2: And and you can borrow this, or you can have this, or whatever, and I just start reading. And my mind just opened up to... Mm-hmm everything
0: that's so cool
2: yeah you know uh
0: don't they do that when you're new give you books lots of books read this book and that book but you can't read all the books because sometimes it's a joke and there was a time yeah. when someone put a book in my box it was like my second week and I read it one afternoon it was a little book and I got to the end of it and I was like what was that like that was <laughs> terrible and uh I went, Jim and Landon put it in my box, and uh, they were like, "Dude, you read that?" <laughs> yeah, I knew. You know what? It, put a book in my box, but uh, wasted afternoon. Um, Elaine, how about you?
1: Um, I feel like uh, growing up, growing up in the Baptist church. I feel like there, this was before. Cut up put this. I remember Jeremy saying one time, Jeremy and I grew up in the same same youth group that you just didn't question stuff, if you questioned, it meant you didn't have faith, you weren't believing. Uh, That's kind of how our leadership approached it. Um, So I don't remember questioning much about um, understanding more uh, of the Bible or understanding things I didn't understand. Um, MC was kind of the same way for me, at least, and um, so I remember when we moved back, and uh, finding a church, too, at MC was really difficult for me because I'd never had to do that. I'd grown up in the same church. So all of a sudden you're trying to find a church and it's not the same. It's not what you're used to. How do I find a church? What makes me like this one over the other one? It was, really, it was really frustrating. So when we got this job and moved back to Memphis and we're going back to Kirby Woods, I'm like, this is great. Like this is exactly what we're supposed to be doing and we could stay here forever. I know this church. I know they love us. My family's here, everything. Um, but when we came back, it was I kept hearing the same, same message, I felt like. It was always question your salvation. Are you sure you're saved? I feel like every service was the same. And I remember sitting there being like, yes, I am. I know I am. Now what? Like, I'm wanting more on a regular basis, not just are you saved every week. So I remember being really frustrated with that. And I talked to him about it. He was in seminary at the time and starting to learn in a lot of different ways. Um, at MidAmerica, there, there were lots of different kinds of professors. I feel like there was one that was reformed, and it was kind of opening up a... Um, conversation point that we'd never talked about before together um, I did hear of Reformed Theology when I was in high school but it was very it was approached, in my church it was approached as a very evil thing and, um, and so I remember having a friend here that um, would argue with me about that and um, it was just very evil in my mind so when he started talking about this I remember thinking this is crazy I, I can't wrap my mind around this I don't want to wrap my mind around this But, um, he was very loving with it. Um, (laughs) uh, I feel like too. (laughs) I feel like Dr. Young was very understanding about us not knowing anything and bringing us along and, and allowing the Lord to teach us along the way, giving us tools, um, hearing sermons that I'd never heard before. It was, um, a huge time of growth in my life and, um. And it, it took a while. It was very much a process of just opening my eyes to different things and understanding what I did truly believe. And um, anyway,
0: that's very cool. You know, uh, I think many of you would say the same. In terms of, you know, we say often it's a, this is a teaching church, and we want to take the scriptures and we want to just go through books of the Bible and try to deal with each verse or chunks of verses and. Perhaps you found yourself thinking through the scriptures in ways that you never have, and we celebrate that. And uh, there's often a depth that comes with that that is to be celebrated as well. Um, what time is it? I don't have my 10.25. Okay. we got a book. Um, so you guys have been serving at Grace about eight years. You were approached about doing a church plant. You put a lot of energy into that and then the door closed. Um, not only did that door close, but you started to sense that, that the door of vocational ministry at Grace of Van was closing. Uh, it wasn't closed yet, but you're sensing kind of it coming to a close. So tell us about how God clarified a call to go to Costa Rica.
2: Yeah, it's this kind of providences and you know, even the doors closing to things that we wanted to do. Um, you know, even shortly thereafter, we realized it was God's kindness to prevent those things. And, um, you know, I guess you get, kind of get to that point and um, what are you going to do? Do you go and um, plan a church? Do you uh, go to Cleveland, Mississippi and take a 100-member church? Do you stay here and just kind of keep working and doing what you're doing? Or do you do something different? And I guess it was during that time. I was spending a lot of time with Jeff Sample, and we were just yapping a lot about dreams and stuff. Um, I was reading books it's simple books, but challenging, like the crazy love radical sort of books, and just those sorts of thoughts went from like theology to like a lot of the uh, imperatives. Right. Right. Practice. Uh, practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so reading those and just kind of being challenged at the core on um, um, uh, doing something outside the box or just, just trying something where Lord, the Lord has to show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was telling you a story about a staff meeting where. Jimmy is talking about some, the Holy Spirit's move throughout some of these other countries and he says something to the effect of wouldn't you just love to be a part of something like that and Elaine looked at me and I looked at her and we almost said at the same time like why not like yeah. why Why can't we be right and so um we started researching and investigating overseas missions what it would look like
0: yeah yeah now, you talk about, and I thought this was fascinating, there were things that were happening also. I mean, books you were reading and closed doors, but um, uh, kind of seeds of faith. For instance, at one point, there was a significant pay decrease for whatever reason. I don't know the well, details. You quit, quit working. Uh, there you go. So it was like a 35% pay cut.
2: Immediately, yeah.
0: And you both felt convicted to, well, let's, why don't we keep tithing the same amount?
2: More. More. It was the, wild, it was the wildest thing, doesn't it? And I say that... Is that when you're reading Crazy Love and Radical? And- it, it was. It was, um, it, like, I think it was Francis Chan that said something to the effect of, like, if you're participating in things all the time where, like, people look at it or you're looking at it and you're saying, yeah, I understand why that's happening, you know, um, there might be something, you know, more intuitive people would look at our life and actions or you're to evaluate your own life and actions and say, I don't understand why this is happening. The Lord must have shown up. He must have. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to experience that Mm -hmm. selfishly. just want to experience God. It's hard sometimes living here where your paychecks are stable, your insurance is stable, everything's normalized. So we want to experience the Lord. And so, yeah, I'll never forget. That was... The hardest thing I, I was doing electronically, uh, you know, this giving. Elaine just lost her job. Um, and, you know, we had been tithing normal amount, maybe a little bit above. She went 35% down, and we were living off both of our salaries like a lot of people do. Um, and I'll never forget, you know, I kept putting the number in and then, like, backspace, backspace, <laughs> put the number in back. I mean, I sat there probably for 10 minutes, cool. and then. I went up probably like 25% more and I pushed enter and I was like, <gasps> and that was the time that we had never had savings or anything just on church salaries, really. Um, and um, that was the first time after we had cut out, you know, all of our normal stuff, um, we started experiencing financial Savings and growth. I know this sounds like my background of, of prosperity gospel. I'm, I, it's not. But it happens to be that the Lord the Lord showed up that way. And it was a tangible way of going, oh, my gosh. Like, we're not hurting at yeah. all. We're, we're actually growing. I just was
0: captivated by the, you said that was harder than decisions down the road to, like, move your family to Costa Rica. You know, just yeah. these initial sacrificial decisions when the opportunity presented itself in normal day to
1: day life. And on the beginning of this though, um, I was on staff here too for 8 years and so we worked in youth ministry together and I we di- I didn't lose my job we chose to move to a different position which would, I mean they said I could stay in my old position if I wanted but I said no I'm going to move up um, in a different position with him so we kind of made that decision letting go of Grace of Ann um, saying you know we're going to move on to this looking for we thought the Lord was calling us to something different. And then this kind of tide thing happened. All of it was happening at the same time. Huh. So.
2: Yeah, but so, that, that was the initial thing that the Lord showing up there helped prepare us for some of these other decisions that might even seem bigger. Right. seem bigger, but weren't.
0: Right. That's cool. So you went to Costa Rica to, <clears throat> to train pastors. You wanted to train pastors for free. You didn't necessarily know what that would look like.
2: Uh, real quickly, why free pastor training? You know, you're talking to Ephesians, indicatives empower the imperatives. Um, things that have happened, the truth empowers what you do. And I think just on a practical level, that, that's that been our experience here at Grace. That Grace Event provided mm-hmm. us a free theological education, mm-hmm. a real gracious gift, gift. Uh, I wouldn't have had the money to pay for a covenant seminary, right. or if I did, it'd be I'd be in a mountain of debt right now. Right. Uh, so it was a really gracious gift, and we knew of pastors out in the middle of nowhere that couldn't afford the opportunity to get into seminaries, and if they could, they couldn't pay for it. And so, based off of what we had received, we just wanted to. I mean, and knowing me, I'm you know, me, I'm not an academic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not a theologian by any means, but. I knew this was given to me, mm-hmm. and so we wanted to... And it changed. It everything changed. Yeah, it. it changed. Being Changes. a minister
1: in our life and everything, it was, you
2: know, That's it was cool. a huge gift. Uh, so you guys grew a lot
0: in Costa Rica. You were there two years, and uh, even though sometimes it didn't always feel like growth, I think growth sometimes feels like death. And uh, anything you want to say about the growth there or about the pain of growth in general?
1: We talked about this in the car, because I feel like we could probably talk for 30 minutes on this. Um I kind of told him in the car, the only thing I could really think to sum it up is that growth seems very like gradual and encouraging, and um, it's a process, and then death is just sudden and scary and sometimes hurtful. And so that's, that's what it was. I mean, it was sudden. Um, we'd said everything we were ever good at, everything you're ever known for, everything we'd ever done. Is just gone hmm. and we didn't know that it didn't have to be I guess the Lord took all of that away we moved um, so that was a difficult thing to work through then you know why,
2: why even to the basic stuff of like communicating your basic needs to people it's just gone is is yeah, taken you can't, from you. You learn Spanish and, if, and you
1: learn how to just say things, but you can no longer communicate emotion or mm-hmm. how do you have real relationships with people if you can't tell them what's in your heart or
2: And if you're and we've known doctors down there, if you're a doctor and you can't communicate, mm-hmm. you can't help people. Um, if you especially me, where my boy I had my job was a voice. I think I boiled it down to voice and influence. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was gone. Yeah, and to a large degree, I mean, I'm still growing in that because I feel like the Lord hasn't reestablished mm-hmm. that, and He's not allowing me to be in, to have that again, mm-hmm. which is fine. It's where the Lord has me, mm-hmm. He has me in other things where He's really seen a lot, you know, mm. kind of put in the background. Um, Elaine, one thing that <clears throat> you helped me think about,
0: and I don't think we think about enough, is how lonely it can be to be a missionary family. On the mission field, for various reasons—language barriers, cultural, new place, my skills aren't that I know well aren't necessarily relevant anymore. Um, few friends, but this particular group, this class, was very important in y'all's transition there and transition home. And you wanted to say some things about that.
1: Uh, yeah, um, I feel like it was—it was very apparent every day that we didn't belong. And a lot of that was just a complete dependence on the Lord. There was such blessing in that, of realizing, like, this is not my home. I mean, it was very evident in the morning when the egg man would come by, and, you know, banging on your door and yelling to come buy eggs. That um, you're just yeah, in a different different place. Um, I feel like when we left, it was, um, it was very different uh, around here. I don't think anybody had done that before so the the send-off was very very sweet very encouraging very positive and I felt like it could have been just left at that um, but it wasn't for two whole years I mean we had we had visits we had letters we had phone calls we had Skype calls I had Facebook messages we had care packages sent to us um, visits. yeah people visiting and when they would visit they would pack their belongings in a backpack, but bring an enormous suitcase of stuff for us. Um, <laughs> we didn't per- have...
2: Personal stuff too, like paintings.
1: Yeah, like we didn't have decorations for our house. Everything was just really, really expensive and um, so nothing looked very personal and somebody brought, gathered people around here to paint stuff, canvas pictures for our house and um, people um, Gave me a baby shower when I came in town. We decided to have a baby on the mission field. Like, you know, we're, we weren't enough change going on, so. That's
2: right. Rainy season is boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. That was good. <laughs> uh, yeah, people gave me a baby shower when I came in town for a few days. Um, I've... We were friends with lots of different missionaries at our language school and um, from all over the country, all over the world, and no one was kept up with like we were. And, I mean, one phone call or one card would carry you a month. Wow, well, yeah. It was wild. Just and it knowing. was a lot of this. Yeah, so a grace group adopted us. I remember that, getting phone calls from people and gift cards and just stuff saying, like, we're thinking of you. I remember going to Walmart one day. Will was out of town, and I was like, I'm going to attempt to buy bathing suits for the kids, Jack needed shorts and some sunscreen. And that was gonna be my big shopping. And it was crazy crowded and traffic was horrible. And I go in and I kind of find what I'm looking for. Sunscreen was about $20. And I just was like, I can't do it. I remember just being like, I just, it'll be fine. We'll just go home. And the next day we got a care package from somebody that was like, I know this is random stuff, but I was at Target. And it was bathing suits and sunscreen and clothes for the kids and candy and I mean stuff that seemed just silly, um, but that stuff was not organized by the church. It was not something that you know people were heading up. it wasn't MIT. Yeah, it, just, MIT. it, yeah, it, it, it was just right. was... the Lord laying us on people's hearts Splash. and then following through. And it was time and time and time again.
2: Wow.
0: That's huge. Uh, We could talk further about, you know, the hard thing. Transition there is hard, and then you sort of settle in, and then you come back, and reentry is hard, because though everything's the same, nothing's the same. I mean, you're not the same. And, you know, one thing Elaine said, they were very thankful for their friends in here just letting them be weird, you know, for a while. And uh, it's just a – we need to hear that, because it is the – Organic relationship aspects that were such a blessing to them. Certainly there are formal things that were a blessing as well. Um, but, man, that, that was very encouraging to me. What time is it? Okay. Uh, well, we're pretty much out of time. I will say because I just... Um, I've been able, because I took Will's job... Uh, and you know, many of you know that, but he gave me the keys to his job to go to Costa Rica, and so I've been able to watch it progress. And there was a dream to train pastors. There was a job in a seminary, like, hey, maybe this is kind of a platform to do that. Uh, an idea one day to maybe add some technology into that. And what God has done is so profound. Um, and and God has done it. And and there's no other way to explain it. But there are now 12 to 14,000 pastors being trained all over the world. There, there's a goal in India of 100,000 pastors being trained with free theological education. And that is, it's, it's amazing. Like he said, it's a gift. We, here we are working in this church where they give us this free education and you grow while you work and to think that these pastors all over the world that would never be able to do that um, because their churches don't have any money and they can't afford to take a day off work um, it's really, I'm just thankful for it. And uh, I would say this to you as, as we leave. Uh, as you see kind of the providence of God. It, you don't know what that big word means. I mean, God cares for and governs all things in the world. Uh, he, he For His purposes and for His glory. And all things in our lives, for our good, for, for His glory. You think about a, a high schooler's journal entry to marry someone in vocational ministry, and a meeting at MC, and being hired at Grace Savannah after bumping into some people at the middle school, and the kind of preparation he was provided here, and certain doors that were closed while others open, and certain books that they're reading, and and decisions that come up, and well, I think we're meant to do this sacrificially. Um, unity in the decision to go to Costa Rica, which is a feat in and of itself, a desire to train pastors, a job at a seminary, uh, idea to use technology for that, and just as God has taken that. um, The thing that I would say is this, not all of us are going to do global pastor training, most of us will not, but God is providentially at work in each of our lives right now. He's shaping us, He's ordering and governing all the times and seasons of our lives. He's closing some doors to open others. And whether or not your paycheck is coming from a church or a ministry, uh, our next passage in Ephesians that we'll study together is that we are all ministers in some capacity, ministers for Christ. So the, the question then, how do we get where He's taking us? We simply trust Him right now. And, and we make plans and we dream dreams at home uh, for this church, for this city, even for the world. We entrust our plans and decisions to the Lord. We commit our work to the Lord and He will establish our steps. Proverbs 16, seek the Lord right now where He has you. Make sacrificial decisions right now when He convicts you to do so and, and the opportunity arises. Keep trusting Him. Keep following Him. Leave any results up to Him. Um, Pay attention to the way He's gifted you. I mean, I think that's what Will has been able to do in in what he's doing now. And pay attention to the convictions that He is giving you and that that He's given you in the past. Um, Pay attention to the doors that He closes and the doors that He opens for you so that we all might walk in the life that He's prepared for us, um, big or small. Let's pray. Our Father in Heaven, it is... It is a joy for me personally because I just I get to see you on display and uh, I thank you for my brother Will and my sister Elaine and uh, I'm just I'm thankful I'm thankful that we um, get to hear of your work in their lives and uh, I just I pray that you would continue to grow us closer to you to trust you in the right now in the big things and the small things uh, Lord just a life of Simple faith in Christ and following Christ every day. Um, pour out your grace so that we might do that. And, and do convict and do lead us. Um, do close doors and open doors and just show us how we can uh, serve you. Again, in our homes, in the city, um, in this church, even abroad. Uh, we, we want uh, you to be glorified in and through us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.